The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect that of the staff and management of Good Karma Brands, but are the sole responsibility of the hosts and guests of this particular show. America may have many, many days, but they will be full of trouble. There will be no rest. There will be no tranquility in this country until a nation comes to turn with our problems. Bringing you social and political commentary from his mouth to your ears. Breaking down the issues which matter to you. You are not put here to be a white man's footstool. You are put here to represent the very best in God's world. Legendary civil rights icon, the Reverend Jesse Jackson in the studio. Reverend Jackson, how are you? Mr. Reverend, good morning on this chilly Milwaukee morning. And I am pleased to have one of the founding members of the Black Panther Party, Chairman Bobby Seal. Mr. Chairman, how are you this morning? Good morning. I'm doing just fine. Thank you. From Mr. Eric Holder. Mr. Holder, so good to see you. How are you? Well, I'm fine, man. How you been? It's been a long time. Haven't seen you for a while. The Dr. Cornell West. Dr. West, how are you, sir? My dear brother, you're so kind, you're so generous, so man, but I salute you and the work that you were doing there. You're doing a magnificent job there, Wisconsin. Stream live on 1017thetruth.com. Call in with your questions or comments. 833-212-1017. Join us on social media at 1017thetruth. It may not be what you expect to hear, but I will definitely give you what you need to know. Are you ready for the truth? I want the truth you can't handle the truth now live from the american family insurance studio at the avenue in the heart of downtown milwaukee here is sherwin hughes good morning welcome to the program today is friday march 1st 2024 congratulations ladies and gentlemen you made it through another black history month you got an extra day as well hope you spent it productively To end one month of historic observation brings us to another one for those of you that don't know. And a lot of you probably do not. March 1st begins Women's History Month. And I am excited and thrilled to talk about the monumental gains that women have made. Going to talk about the progress, going to do a snapshot of where American women are right now as it pertains to the workforce and education and all of those things. And I'm actually really excited about this because I think that women are overanalyzed, but still misunderstood. I know this sounds very interesting coming from me. Whole bunch of women think I'm a misogynist because they've been watching a bunch of TikTok videos. And anytime a man says something that a woman doesn't like or disagrees with, or if a man says something that is pure objective fact with no emotion attached to it, I'm going to massage. I'm a misogynist. That's perfectly fine with me. Gives us an opportunity to further explore what that actually is. But as a cisgender heterosexual man, we get used to it. We get used to hearing uh, men are dogs. Men are no good. uh, Men are liars. uh, Men are cheaters. Oh, how about this? Even heterosexual cisgender men that want to hang out with their friends, want to hang out with their guys, want to hang out with their boys. Clearly, when we do that, we're gay. So, no, we've heard it all. But I totally understand it. Let me tell you why I understand why some, not all women, some women are absolutely fantastic and take responsibility for their actions. And when something that they do impacts them, they don't blame everybody else. They take full responsibility. Shouts out to you, women. But I totally understand why women can be very upset with us. And I don't blame them one bit because they seem to think that all men are essentially the same. We're not. 
nor do we believe that all women are the same. But just like African-American people, not all but some, certainly enough, think that all white people are racist and will justify it some kind of way saying, oh, if you're in America and you have white privilege, there's opportunities that are afforded to you. And they could make a very credible case when black people say that all white people have some racism or some prejudice in them. Well, we afford women that same respect. They can say that all men operate in a particular way because America is a very patriarchal society. So I totally get it. And I don't even get offended. I don't know if a woman called me a the word used to be a chauvinist. We used to be male chauvinist pigs. Now people were reading words on the Internet and now the word is a misogynist. So this misogynist is going to talk very lovingly and very glowingly about women. And hopefully I will be able to clear up maybe some misconceptions or misunderstandings that the two. Let me be clear about this. Don't want to make anybody mad. Okay. Okay, there's more than two genders, right? Yes. But male, can I even say male and female? Heterosexual. No, I can't say that. Okay, cisgender. Male and female. We're like, we're like the OGs of gender, right? The other genders, all respect due to the other genders, but the cisgender woman and man, like we're the grandfather gender. We're the, you know, I hope that's not offensive to anybody. I'm trying. I understand as the terms change and the definitions change and we respect the different genders. I got to give respect because I don't want them to come for me. Please don't, especially the days, which confusing to me, but I accept and appreciate anyone who chooses to live their life the way they want to shout out to you. But this conversation today is going to be about the OG genders, the, the men and the women, because we hear a lot of complaints from women and ladies, this is your month. Tell us men how you feel. What do we do wrong? What are we missing still? There's something that we're just not getting. There still seems to be this incredible lack of understanding. And so maybe just maybe, We can be very productive this Women's History Month and men can come to a better understanding. Because as I see it, we are to protect women. Last week, earlier this week actually, there was a woman who came forward. She was very vulnerable in her 15 or 16 minute Instagram video talking about a pastor in the city of Milwaukee who is beloved. I mean, the affection that people have for this pastor. I was even getting inboxes from people that I don't know that I have zero connection to, but they heard of the show or they watched part of the show or they listened to the podcast and they contacted me directly to stand up for the character of this particular pastor in which we were having a conversation about. And I find that rich because as a man, whether we want to or not, we are supposed to look after the best interests and physically protect women. There was a a woman earlier. No, it was late last year, maybe last summer, last fall where she was allegedly hit with a brick. And there was a bunch of black men that witnessed this woman 
get hit with the brick and she goes on social media and she posts this video of her very, very swollen face. And she was very angry and she was hurt. She was sad because all of these black men were standing around and not helping her. Some of us felt very bad about that because that is our primary obligation and duty. We have to protect women from other men. That's what we do. And so then when I hear about this woman, I watch her video of how she was taken advantage of and she was manipulated by this pastor. The number of people, men and women, gay and straight, cisgender and non-binary that were saying that woman is lying makes me feel some kind of way. By the end of this Women's History Month, I need the answer to at least one question. I'm lucky if I can get the answer to one question by the end of this Women's History Month. And it's a very simple question. You'd think it'd be a simple answer, but it's got to be the most complicated question anybody's ever asked in the history of questions. Do we believe women or not? And what if it's women that don't believe women? What am I supposed to do? Believe the woman that women don't believe? I posted something on my Instagram, which I don't really do very often because Instagram is not for me. Or maybe I was responding to a post. I think that's what it was. And I asked the question on Instagram, do we believe women or not? Simple question. The number of women that said sometimes or don't believe the woman that accused Pastor Locke of being a manipulator. We don't believe her, but we believe every other woman. See, this is very confusing. I have already resigned to the fact that women don't need due process. If they make the accusation, it is what it is. Just believe them. And let me tell you why I don't have a problem with that. Because it doesn't cost me anything to believe what somebody says. Now, here's the drawback to it. If I say something, what if I'm what if I'm manipulated by somebody? What if I was abused by somebody? What, what if I was harmed by somebody? Would y'all believe me? As a man, we don't expect anybody to believe us. We have to let due process play out. We got to have an investigation and interviews and a DNA sample and a court case and all sorts of things for anybody to believe us. Do we believe women? Yes or no. And what happens when women don't believe women like who as men are we supposed to take our cues from? It's easy and simple. It actually puts my soul at ease when I can just resign to the fact that if a woman says something about her harm or her abuse or how she was manipulated, it's easy to believe. Now, what I find interesting about that scenario with that pastor who is so universally beloved, I know of other women who also have this same unhealthy obsession like this doting affection for this pastor. And I'm not implicating the pastor on anything. I'm not accusing him of a doggone thing, but to some extent, can y'all imagine in some parallel universe somewhere that pastors can manipulate people? Can you imagine that they're asking poor people for money every Sunday? And then they twist that into some unusual and obscure Bible verse. The more money you give, the closer to heaven you'll get. If that ain't manipulation, I don't know what is. Because the people that I know that give their money to the pastor are living in hell and they're broke. Oh, we're going to talk about it today. It's Women's History Month. 
Got some information I'm going to share with you. For American women, job opportunities look much different than they did 50 years ago. Women have made gains in the labor force, participation, and wages, and they've increased their presence in the highest-paying jobs in America. Some of that progress has stalled in recent years. However, and large gender gaps persist at the top levels of government and business leadership. We're going to decipher all of it. By the end of today's show, I'm going to have women figured out. You hear that, Rhea? By the time 11.56 and 50 seconds rolls around, I'm going to know all the things about the lady women people. Ashley, hang on, Ashley. I got to take a commercial break. I'm going to come back. We're going to talk to Ashley. She's the first woman to call during Women's History Month. I hope she tells us some very womanly things. The truth for sure when he was on 101.7 FM. We'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. The Truth with Sherwin-Hughes will be right back on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin-Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Let's talk to... Ashley, hi Ashley. Thank you for holding. How are you on this first day of Women's History Month? Good morning. I am doing pretty good this morning. Um, happy Women's History Month. Uh, I just wanted to talk about the. Um, you said do we believe women? Um, I honestly don't even think this should just be like based on women. I think this should just be people. Period. People do lie. You had you had had situations where people lie. Look at the woman that lied about Emmett Till and all of that stuff and everything. And you've seen other situations of things like this happening. Women lying about being raped. If we're talking about that specifically, but I want to before I get in, what specifically do you mean believe? Do you mean just as in like sexual situations or something, or do you just mean in general? No, no, ain't no way we gonna believe y'all just in general about sexual assault, sexual abuse, and sexual harassment because we know how difficult it is for a woman to come forward because people are not gonna believe yeah. her or they're gonna blame her. Oh, you shouldn't have been wearing that short skirt or you shouldn't have went to Bill Cosby's hotel room. Right. So I'm referring specifically yeah. right, to sexual assault, sexual harassment, that kind of stuff. Because as a man, I know what men do. I really do. And so when a woman says that she has experienced such things, my default setting is to think, yep, that probably happened. I, I believe that. Yes. Okay. So, okay. So since we've clarified, I honestly like to go into it, not saying that I, I believe everybody, but not that I believe it's specifically what you're saying, but I believe there's a situation, whether you're lying about something or not. I feel like everybody deserves the attention to, like, investigate and look into the situation just like i feel like okay with this situation with this pastor i can't say he did or he didn't do it but who am i to tell her she's lying and who am i to tell him he's lying as well but i feel like everybody is deserved to at least be believed enough to look into the situation to see what's going on but this one likely won't be investigated either you believe her you believe him he may speak about it during his sermon on Sunday. He may not. But it's already out there in the universe. And the other thing is, 
There are a number of women that have a deep, abiding, doting love and affection for this pastor for whatever the reason may be. Maybe because he works out and he takes his shirt off and he just be sweating, looking like a melted chocolate bar. Maybe that's the reason yeah, why. Not very godlike. That's crazy. Right, right, right. And see, all of that, you try to be careful because at the end of the day, right now it's speculation, what I do have to say, my opinion and everything. But I feel like everybody is deserved to be believed. What do I have? What right do I have to say that this, this woman is not telling the truth? What has she, does she have a track record of saying different things? And also, are there other people saying these very same things? I feel like there's a lot of stuff that has to be looked into, and I don't think it's fair to just discredit this woman. And some people are discrediting her just based on they don't even notice it. And some of them don't even go to the church, have never even been there, but just based on how this man looks and how somebody else, that that's their opinion. And I just don't understand how you can form an opinion on a subject like this with no kind of, without even not even knowing these people really. But we don't need to know them, do we? If she is coming forward and she, it was tough for her to do so, shouldn't we give her the benefit of the doubt? Like, why would she risk her reputation? She's going to lose friendship. She's going to be excommunicated from the church because those women that love pastor, they going to want to kill that woman. So I have to think. I agree. And she's not accusing him of anything like illegal, but. Right. A lot of women throw themselves at that pastor. He is, from what I understand, he is a single man. And he might have been involved with her, but no, I don't want you no more. He might not be answering her phone calls and her text messages no more. And that would be her right right to come forward and say, hey, this man led me on. Right. That's true. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying either or is right or wrong. I'm saying, I don't know. (laughs) You go to that church, Ashley. Have you been there? I, I have never been there. All right. You probably should go this Sunday and just see what they're talking about and call me on Monday. Uh, I'm good. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I appreciate your call, Ashley, and happy Women's History Month. Thank you. All right, Ashley. I don't know what's going on with Ashley. If, and I'm just using this as a description, I'm not implicating a human being. If a woman dresses provocatively and she is known to dress provocatively not on occasion but all of the time have y'all ever worked with a woman that dresses entirely inappropriate for an office setting have you yes or no yes you probably have but she dresses like that all the time for whatever reason people can wear whatever they want you know offices may have like a dress code or you know required style of dress business casual whatever But this particular woman, I think we all know her. She could be of any age, too. She dresses inappropriately. Like, it could be a Monday morning board meeting, and she's wearing an outfit that she also could wear to a nightclub on the weekends, okay? And this woman is known to dress provocatively. We don't know anything about her personal life. We don't know anything about her intimate proclivities. But she dresses really provocative. She shows the kibbles and the bits in most of the outfits that she wears and sometimes in very sterile corporate business settings, dressing like that can make people feel very uncomfortable because you want to look, but you can't look, you want to say something, but you can't say something. So imagine this woman who some of, you know, some of you have worked with, some of you are literally that woman 
And then we hear that this woman was sexually assaulted. Now, remember, she dresses provocatively. She's always right up on the edge of being too much with how she dresses and how much she shows off her body. And let's assume she has a lot of body to show off because that's something else about women. If they are naturally built a certain way, we relegate them to being sexually promiscuous just because of how they're built, which is entirely not fair. And there are some women who wear clothes to completely cover their bodies, even though some body types you can't, no matter what you wear, it's evident how a woman is shaped, but they wear big baggy clothes. They can't ever wear anything flattering because they will get accused of being promiscuous just because of their natural body type. That is horribly unfortunate, and that's not anything that men really have to deal with. Unless we have big, fat, beer belly, fat stomach, and we wear a tight shirt. People might say, ooh, you shouldn't be wearing that tight shirt because you drink a lot of beers and you got big, fat, old, big, round beer belly. It looks, it looks like a, a barrel, big barrel belly. Maybe somebody will say something to a man if they're wearing something that accentuates his big, old, fat, round, big, old, rotund beer belly. But this woman who dresses very provocatively all of the time, whenever you see her, hell, she might even wear some of this stuff to church. Very provocative. And we hear she gets sexually assaulted. Already know what people would say. Well, look at how she dresses. Would we believe her automatically? Because the only thing that we know about this woman is that she dresses inappropriately all of the time. In settings in which she should be dressed much more conservative. She's showing lots of leg and lots of thigh and lots of cleavage. And of course, she's showing her tattoos and all sorts of things. If we hear that that woman was sexually assaulted or sexually harassed, would we believe her? Half of you would absolutely not. Or you would think that it was her fault because the only thing you know about her is how she dresses. Or then there'll be a cohort of people that say, well, it's, it was going to happen eventually. We put an undue amount of pressure on girls and put criminal charges on men. Let me explain. There's probably a high school somewhere or a middle school somewhere with a very strict dress code for girls. Um, no midriff showing, no sleeveless tops. What else do they do to little girls? No short shorts. Shorts have to be, I don't know, an inch above the knee or something. Who knows what they do? No short shorts, no short skirts, no short dresses. And and why, right? Because what's the dress code for the boys? Ain't none. Well, we don't want the girls and how they dress to be distracting to the boys. FYI especially when you're in middle school and high school, just the presence of girls is distracting. It don't matter what they're wearing per se. But why do we do that? Because we know that if a, clearly boys cannot control themselves. When we see a woman, we go insane. We turn into primates and we just start touching and squeezing and groping and grabbing. So to prevent a woman from being victimized or to prevent a young girl a middle school girl or a high school girl from being touched inappropriately or gawked at or sexually assaulted or sexually harassed. And here's the thing. I don't even know if those dress codes are for the middle school boys so they're not distracted. I think it's the male teachers. That's what I really think. 
But if the boy does something, well, he goes to jail, right? There are no universally understood standards for a boy's conduct. We just tell the girl, dress in a way in which you can do your best to appear invisible invisible to men. You got to think about the psychology of this because there are some parents and some young girls, middle school girls and high school girls that adhere to that because they live in a culture of being afraid. I've talked about this for as long as I've been broadcasting other than the traditional, normal standard causes of death, stroke, heart attack, all sorts of different types of cancers, the flu even is a cause of death in America, accidents, car accidents, et cetera, et cetera. If you adjust for all of those things, the number one killer of women is men. We just, we kill y'all. I'm really sorry. I've never killed a woman before. I never have. I, I don't want to do that ever. I, even if a woman was trying to kill me and it's self-defense, I still would have to worry about, wow, if I defend myself, is somebody going to call me an abuser? I might just have to let the woman kill me because if I defend myself or if I don't let her land a punch, then I might be the aggressor. When it comes to men's causes of death, women is not even really on the list. If, if anything, a woman will just like feed us to death. Are you hungry? No, I just made a turkey. It's one o'clock in the afternoon. I know. I love you. Here is an entire ham and three slices of bread. So if women are growing up, it starts young. I don't know when parents first warn girls about boys, maybe immediately. Can't do this, can't do that, can't go here. Make sure you're walking with someone if you're walking at night. These are things that men never have to worry about, and women have to be told and instructed, almost like you got to tell a black child, a black boy, how to behave around the police. Isn't that funny? You have to instruct a black boy how to act around the police because if he acts a certain way, if he gets angry and argumentative and belligerent, he may get killed. We do the same thing to women. But if we tell girls that they have to dress in a way which makes them essentially invisible so they don't distract these monstrous boys who can't help but to touch and to feel and to squeeze and to grow. Sometimes those boys may grow up with a perception that women are invisible and the girls may actually feel invisible as well because we're telling them to hide themselves. And then when women get out into society, we don't take them seriously because we've been telling them to hide. That's why some of y'all don't believe women because you haven't really noticed them because they have been hiding from you. Better talk about some statistics and gender gains on the other side this first day of Women's History Month coming from your favorite misogynist, Sherwin Hughes. And The Truth with Sherwin Hughes. We'll be right back. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes returns after this on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app and 1017thetruth.com. More of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. We should play only music by women. Now that's a lot to think about. I got a few lady artists in here. Maybe we'll play some Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Dionne Warwick, Christina Aguilera, 
Britney Spears, Janet Jackson. Women made up 47% of the U.S. civilian labor force in 2023, up from only 30% in 1950, but growth has stagnated. The Bureau of Labor Statistics data shows the share of women in the labor force generally grew throughout the second half of the 20th century, but has since leveled off. The Bureau of Labor Statistics projects that women will continue to make up slightly less than half of the labor force through 2032. I can go a bunch of different ways with that. Some women don't work. For Now, I'm going to give you guys the latitude to figure out the reasons as to why they don't work. Maybe they don't want to. Maybe they're taking care of the house. Can I tell you, though, that to take care of a home, to take care of all of the duties in a home, the cooking and the cleaning and the washing and the preparing, it's it's a lot. That's a full-time job. So shouts out to people that are raising children and taking care of the home because that's a lot. You got to do laundry. How come it's always so much laundry to do? I can just live a normal, regular life and not even really go to a whole bunch of things where I got to change clothes a bunch of times and wear a bunch of different outfits. It's a lot of laundry. And I don't like laundry because I got to put it away. It doesn't put itself away. So some women are not in the... That's not fair, though. If a woman stays home and takes care of the family and takes care of all the domestic duties, that might be more work and more grueling work than a man who sits in a cubicle and yells at people all day and he calls that a job. But... The technical labor force, unfortunately, is not counted because if we counted, and they're stay-at-home dads too, which probably has a negative connotation. We are wrought with stereotypes. If a woman stays home and works, she might get shamed for that. Like, oh, you, you need to go out and earn a living. This is not the 1940s. Woman, you need to go out. And women may say that to her. But if a man stays home, if he doesn't work, we got creative names for him don't we women outnumber men in the u.s college educated workforce now making up 51 percent of those age 25 and older i'm going to read the rest of that in a second but i wonder if we have this understanding in america that women make less money and to combat the fact that they are paid less for the same job Now, you can look at other factors to explain it. If a woman is, let's say she has some babies. she You know how babies are made, right? Do I have to explain that to y'all? Because y'all don't know how the electoral college works. You may not know where a baby comes from. Y'all might think it gets delivered by the stork. So if she's not in the workforce because she's taking maternity leave or associated amounts of time off to care for children, that could impact her overall earnings trajectory. May, it maybe could because we always try to mansplain why women are paid less. I think we just offer them less. And I also don't know if women are well-versed on in a corporate situation or in a job negotiation situation. How many women know how to negotiate and be tough with your negotiations with a man? It's not the same kind of negotiations you do in your relationship with your husband, your fiance, your boyfriend, your significant other. That's a different kind of negotiation because women have other carrots and sticks in those kind of relationship negotiations. When there's love involved, when there's that kind of a union, that's a different kind of negotiation. But do women know how to 
negotiate on their behalf because an employer, if they want you to work for their company and they offer you a salary, even though they want you, you are the selected candidate, they're still going to try and pay you as little as possible. And some people, some are women, some are men, are so happy to be extended this opportunity that they're offered a salary and boom, they take it. You got to go into your negotiations, ladies and gentlemen, knowing that they're going to offer you the lowest amount that they possibly can and hope that you accept it. If you're going into a job, into a position where they made it clear that they want you, do not accept their first offer because they're the ones that want you. Or people may have a level of insecurity like, oh, wow, I'm just so happy that they're selecting me and they're offering me this salary. I'll accept this salary, even though you know it's too low for you and you deserve more. And you say something like, well, I'll just work really, really hard and they'll automatically give me a raise. No, they won't. They will not. Your raises likely, unless it's built into the job where every three months, six months you have reviews and you have raises that's built into whatever the job, whatever the vocation, whatever the position is. But your raise typically in corporate America will be harder to get than negotiating for more money on the front end. Ask for a dollar amount when you're offered a job. Don't don't accept the first offer. Don't do it. Ask for a dollar amount. So your counter should be a dollar amount that you were okay making for the next two years. So assuming you don't get a raise your first year, assuming you don't get a raise your second year, negotiate on the front end a dollar amount that you were cool with making for two Earth revolutions around the sun. According to current population survey data from the fourth quarter of the year 2023, Women first surpassed men in college-educated labor force in the fourth quarter of 2019. They remained more than half of this group through the COVID-19 pandemic, which resulted in a sharp recession and an overall decline in the size of the nation's labor force. You know what else isn't included? And I don't know how controversial this is, but it's Women's History Month, and we're going to talk about it. Sex work. Sex work is legitimate. I can look at it from both sides. There are some men who don't even know what it's like to have any kind of intimate closeness with a woman. And it's horrible and it's unnatural and it's unfair. And I can't explain why that is. Maybe they're shy. Maybe they're weird. Maybe they got some weird stuff that happened to them in their childhood where it makes it very difficult for them to find a woman in which they can share genuine intimacy. And if for whatever their reason, they are missing that. That's horrible. I think that men who do not have a romantic partner, like physical intimacy is that's human. You got to have it. Some of y'all over here trying to survive without it, trying to pretend that you're okay. You're not okay. And it's okay that you're not okay. Cause we as human beings, we are communal. We're loving beings. We need to be touched and loved on and kissed on and and tasted. You know, you know what I mean? Like we're that we're built like that. We're wired to be connected. And if a man is devoid of physical intimacy, I think he should be able to pay for it and get it. Even though it's not authentic, it's contractual. So a lot of stuff we do is contractual. It's a service. Love, affection, and intimacy should be afforded to all people. If for whatever reason this man is un- unable to get it, a sex worker should be able to provide it in a professional 
manner. Now, the other thing about sex work is it is something that women can do. And maybe they're forced into it, but I don't want to look at it that way. I want to look at it as feminism allows women to do literally whatever they want. It gives them options. Like me as a black man, as we were over here last month, we're trying to struggle and figure out, like, what is the definition of blackness? What is blackness? Is this black? Is it our history? You know, is it our future? Like, what is black history? Blackness is whatever I say it is. Whatever I feel like being or doing or, or talking about, whatever existence I want for that moment or that day, being a woman should be the exact same thing. In fact, some days my blackness might come off as very Asian. It's a part of it, right? Because didn't Linda say yesterday that like everybody is descended from black people, so I could be an Asian one day. So if I talk with an Asian accent, no, 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 no. Can't get offended. If I talk like a Mexican. FYI, when I go to Mexican restaurants, I order my food in Spanish. I do. Blackness is whatever it wants to be. Being a woman means she can do whatever she wants. Women that are in the sex work world. Now, some are trafficked. Some are abused. But there are some women that have legitimate jobs working for an employer and they're abused too. Oh, employers can be terrible. Bosses and managers can be awful and condescending, especially if they know their low paid, low skilled labor force can't find a job anywhere else. And they need that job. They need those hours. They need that overtime. There's a lot of people that are in management positions that shouldn't be because they can be abusive too. FYI. You know what I found? I don't have any statistics to back it up. I'm going to say this. I'm going to take a little pause for the cause. Some of you are in relationships and you love your person and your person loves you. That's one thing. That's separate. Love Love is a state of being, a permanent state of being that you are in where the other person's needs, your partner's needs are your needs. Period. No matter what, you got to make sure that they're good because if they're not good, you can't be good. That's love. A relationship is management skills. Relating to another human being. Now, you may love them, but you got to understand love needs to exist separately. That is a total all-encompassing state of being. It's a flood of hormones and emotions. Love is not logical. Love is not objective. Love don't care about facts. That's separate. Your relationship is how you're able to manage yourself and manage your expectations as it relates to somebody else. And I would argue that people that may be in love, but their relationship is falling apart. They got bad management skills and they probably will be a bad employee. Just a little food for thought. But a relationship, while there may be love in a relationship, there also can be relationships where there is no love, like those platonic relationships. But it's all about management skills, and some people just don't have management skills, whether it be at work or in their personal and platonic relationships. You're listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 101.7 FM. I'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back on 101.7 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 101.7 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com.
we can broadcast on YouTube if you didn't know. And there's also a section where people can chat in the YouTube. Read some of those comments. Sam King said the pastor talked about it at church and it's more than one woman saying things. Hmm. That's interesting. So since the me too, I don't want to call it a movement. It was like a revelation because every man knows a woman has been sexually assaulted. In fact, most of our relationships with women as heterosexual cisgender men if a woman opens up to you, she'll tell you about something that happened to her, and it's really, really common. But when the Me Too movement was revealed, and all sorts of women now had the courage to tell their stories because they were using that hashtag Me Too, I was blown away. I don't know why I was blown away, because in conversations I've been having with women my entire life, they've, they've, there's been an incident or two. Sometimes they grew up with a series of these horrendous incidents happening to them but it was so many women that i know that i love that i respect that were using hashtag me too which means that men needed to reform our behavior we didn't necessarily know how but we absolutely had to be much more cautious more concerned and more reserved and so there was some unintended consequences there was like um how do I explain? I guess the yeah, unintended consequences would probably be the best way to describe it. Where men are sometimes it's difficult to read a woman's signals and we can have that conversation because we got to be careful. Can't touch her. Can't kiss her. Can't do those things. You got to get permission. You got to get consent, which takes away. Can we admit having to get consent? It takes away the romance Hi, I would really like to kiss you, but just to make sure this is consensual, can you please sign this form or whatever it is you have to do to get consent? So what men weren't doing, especially in the professional world, is they weren't going to happy hour with women. Because, you know, a lot of networking and job promotions is during social time. You know, going to lunch, just you and the woman that you work with to talk about promotional opportunities or meeting after work for a drink or for a cocktail. Like, and that's all in the realm of professionalism, hanging out with someone which what appears to be socially, but to talk about business and promotions in a relaxed environment. Men stopped having those meetings with women and women were suffering because they weren't getting the promotions because men were like, you know what? I don't want to hang out with you, you know, at five o'clock, six o'clock after work for happy hour to talk about the job because you may think that some of my antics or banter or my mannerisms might be sexually harassing because we as men, we just don't know. And then there'll be a situation where you're hanging out with a lady. Right, fellas? You're kicking it. You're taking it real cautious because this is the other thing to know. If we really, really, really like a woman, we won't touch her. There will be a bubble around us. We won't. We're nervous. If we really like a woman, we won't touch her at all. We're going to give her space. We're going to be incredibly respectful. If we're all handsy and gropey, he doesn't like you. Trust me, he doesn't. If he's handsy and gropey, like right away, right when he first meets you or on the first day, uh, -uh, you got to know what that is, lady. He does not like you. Or another one that ladies are sometimes confused about us because men are not all that confusing. Once you are able to read our cues, we're easy to figure out. If a man ever leaves you confused, like you don't know, you don't know what he wants. 
You don't know if he likes you. You don't know what's going on. You're confused. You just don't know. You're just in a state of confusion. And sometimes ladies will ask, like, what's going on with us? If you're ever confused about a man, I'm going to make it easy for you. He doesn't want you. Because if we want you, you will know. However, I digress. So, fellas, you ever hang out with a woman? You're being very cautious. You're not touching her. You're not making any moves. You're not advancing on her. Because you don't want to ruin it. You don't want to make a mistake and approach her, and she doesn't want it. And then the night ends, whatever. And then she gets upset, like, how come you didn't kiss me? Or she says to her friends or maybe on social media, I'm sure gentlemen have experienced this before, so-and-so was weak. He didn't approach me. He didn't kiss me. I don't like him no more. And all we were doing was just being respectful and being cautious. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes. We'll be back for hour two.